When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Dan Baer's interview with the director and writer for Orlando, My Political Biography, Paul B. Preciado. Je suis Coriangelis Brown, et dans ce film, je serai l'Orlando de Virginia Woolf. Someone once asked me, why don't you write your biography? I replied, because fucking Virginia Woolf wrote my biography in 1928. Welcome everyone to the Next Best Picture podcast, where we are talking with Paul B. Preciado, the director of Orlando, my political biography. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Very excited to talk to you because... Orlando, my political biography, is one of the most unique films I think I've ever seen. I don't think anything can fully prepare people for what they will experience while watching this film. And it wasn't until just recently when I was doing some research for this interview that I learned that this came about because you were approached about people wanting to make a film about you. And it somehow turned into into this. <laughs> so I know. It is, this is an, an, a very unusual adventure. I mean, I honestly, I have to say that I never thought I would make a film myself. You know, I'm I'm uh, as may, maybe people know, I'm I'm a writer. That's what I've been doing all my life. Uh, I do philosophy and political theory and body theory and whatever. And and then yes, like a French uh, German television uh, company came came, which is Arte, uh, came to me and they said to me that they wanted to make um, a documentary about my life, my philosophy, whatever. But also because they've been making films about uh, trans uh, and transitioning people, and they had a film about Bambi, who's a, a woman who transitioned in the 1970s in France. And they also had a film about like a, a very young kid in France that is, you know, transitioning as a girl, as a little girl. And I think they they thought, oh my, we might have like the in-between person that we need, which would be Paul. And then that became like a almost a nightmare to me, like a very scary proposal uh, that I thought someone else would make a film like, of course, like, it, it doesn't matter. Maybe, like, someone that has, like, a wonderful ideas but would be, like, from a binary perspective, 
someone will be telling the story of my life as someone that is transitioning. So in a very kind of conventional way, it's like, oh, you were born as a woman and assigned female gender, and then all oh, la this this you know gender dysphoria struggle, and then you become a man, and da da da. This is beautiful, and now uh, you're a trans man, and everything is 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 solved, right? And that's not exactly the way I see either a life, either transitioning, either the political adventure of becoming trans in a kind of hyper-normative society. So I said, you know, honestly, I said to them, don't make this film. You, there are like so many other people that you should be making films about, like Monique Bittig, Michel Foucault, uh, Leslie Feinberg, do a film about someone else, uh, not me. And then they really wanted to do it. And then as a joke, I said, well, maybe if you want to make a film about myself, you should make like a documentary adaptation. And I said that, and it's a crazy thing. I said like a documentary adaptation of Orlando by Virginia Woolf. And I thought this would be like the end of the conversation. And then they thought, oh my God, this is a, such a wonderful idea. Who's going to make this film? And then the, the head of production said, maybe Paul. And, and since I'm crazy, you know, which defines myself much, much better than being trans, even it's like I'm, I'm beyond anything else. I'm crazy, which means like I'm committed to freedom. I said, OK, why not? Right. And, and then I, I thought, what, what, what have I done? How am I going to do this film? You know, <laughs> Because I'm not a filmmaker. And of course, like then the producer asked me, like, but what is a documentary adaptation? And I said, I have no idea. I made it up <laughs> the conversation. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it is one of those things where you're like, yeah, sure, of course, exactly. a documentary adaptation. But when you get onto it, it's like, no, how 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 do you do that? <laughs> when in the the process did this become in your conception, not so much a film about you or about Orlando, but about a group of people and sort of the larger like trans biography instead of your biography that was i think it was very soon in a sense after like uh, having said i'm gonna make this film i went back home and i had like a moment of a epistemic collapse i went like oh my god this is gonna be impossible what am i gonna do and then i i had this intuition that basically i really wanted to send a letter to virginia wolf to tell her or to tell them, because I think Virginia Woolf is non-binary, but that's a different discussion, uh, to tell Virginia Woolf that um, that Orlando uh, is alive and that I was one of the Orlandos, but I was not the only one, that there were like hundreds of thousands of Orlandos and that we were we were living an Orlando revolution. And I thought like, what a pity that, that you're not alive, Virginia, and I would love you know, to for you to be able to see what is happening today with your Orlando. So I had this intuition for the very beginning that it was not just my, um, that in a sense, Virginia Woolf wrote my biography biography be, before I was born, but not just my biography, the biography of many other people, so a collective one. And then I didn't know if this would work because also, I mean, Virginia Woolf in a sense is, you know, it's like, like literature from the early 20th century British, pretty colonial, has like many problems, uh, misogynous, I mean, many problems. I'm not saying, and this is like some part of the struggle with the film and with Virginia Woolf that I love, by the way, no matter how misogynous she can be and how sometimes colonial, but she's struggling with that and herself as well. So I, I thought, is, is this going to be possible? And then 
Um, then I, I called a casting and I thought, I mean, the casting was basically, are you Orlando? If you are Orlando, uh, send the video or come to the casting. And we thought like maybe no one would come to this casting. I mean, Orlando being maybe like, you know, like a, this literature figure that is like forgotten. And then like more than 100 people came. And especially the beautiful thing was like everyone would come and would say, I am Orlando, you know, I, myself, not anyone else, but myself, I'm Orlando. And then I thought, okay, this is not like my private my madness. This is a collective one. <laughs> and, and then I knew the film was possible. I knew that, that um, you know, like from, because Orlando in the book is basically, it's a story that is written at the thir in the third person. Like basically someone is narrating the story of Orlando, but something very different is happening when Orlando is speaking about himself, herself, themself, by basically like saying, I am Orlando and I'm going to tell the story of my life, right? And if this becomes like collective and there are like 100 of Orlandos that are saying like, I am Orlando, then something is happening, right? Yeah, and it's it's very exciting and and fresh to see all these different faces sort of take this on and become each other become you become orlando become all the different versions of orlando it, it's fascinating to watch how, how did you draw that line between telling your story telling your cast's stories telling orlando's stories where, where how did you go about finding what was the right place between all those three well i mean in a sense i guess that that's where being a writer kind of helped me because even though when when you see the film you might have the impression that everything is is very casual and, and almost like that is happening just like in front of the camera in reality, everything is being written down before and quite rehearsed and played and performed and so on, right? So um, I basically first I conducted like like these interviews with the Orlandos, with all these people that that were saying, I am Orlando. And, you know, and basically they were like telling the stories of their lives. And then also working with them and collectively, we started to read the book. So, um, you know, I almost did this film with a methodology that is not really coming from filmmaking, but it's much more coming from activism or from philosophy, almost like in between one and the other one, right? So we were using the book as a kind of a collective strategy to avoid the normative ways in which uh, the story, the different stories of transitioning is being told today, like in society, right? Like, because I had the impression that when making this film, almost like if you think about like the, telling the story of someone that is transitioning, what is happening is that there is like an, a normative binary narrative that is already there, which is, it means like, okay, you were born in such a way, you're suffering from dysphoria, there is this therapy that is given to you, and then you, you, you know, you accomplish your transition and everything will be fine, you will be normal and whatever, right? And in a sense, what happened in, um, in this process of working collectively with the book and, and also like hearing to all different narratives of uh, different people being like non-binary, trans in many different ways, um, um, I started to use the, the, the language of Virginia Woolf almost as a, as a poetic wall. You know, that seems like can seem like strange for the people, but almost like if we build collectively like a wall 
um, made of this poetic language of Virginia Woolf, which sometimes is like is it can be like a little bit weird and difficult to pronounce and all these things, but learning collectively this language allowed us to basically to remove all these other ways of telling the story of transitioning and and preserve almost like a, a, a fictional a space for us to start to develop other ways of telling what what it means for someone to be non-binary in a hyper-binary society, right? So that is started to, and, and that is the moment in which I, I realized that the film would be possible because then what happened is that basically I was like rewriting scenes from the, the book of Virginia Woolf. Um, people were at the same time telling their own stories and I would say like, okay, let's, let's choose this part of your story. Uh, let's gonna mix it with this uh, scene of Virginia Woolf, and let's mix it as well with part of my life when I was a teenager, and you know, and so the actors, uh, they knew how we were working. I mean, there is nothing. There is. They are not just like being used as an actor. You give them like a script, and they do it. No, they knew how we were working. And, and many times I was choosing with them like the pieces of different pieces of uh, the Orlando that they were performing and why. And also I have to say that it's been, I mean, the whole process of making it is being very experimental because many, I've been shooting many scenes that we couldn't edit at the end because of course they're like, most of the actors are non-professional. Uh, sometimes we had also many different ideas that didn't work. And that's the beauty of it. You know, it's like basically you have to try and, and yeah, but it became almost like a kind of a an activist workshop, uh, but also in a, a very poetic one, because it's not just about like, uh, let's say, like how how we think collectively about strategies to convene this, convince the state. No, no, it's something different. And it's like maybe the revolution through through poetry or something like that. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. I love that, the revolution through poetry. I think that's really beautiful. <laughs> but you, you also mentioned, you know, there were the people who... Uh, you cast in this, they weren't necessarily trans, but there were a lot of non-binary folks as well. And I'm wondering when you were in the process of creating it, did you ever worry about the audience conflating or otherwise misunderstanding the difference between trans and non-binary folks in that experience? Well, the thing is that I'm I'm not interested about identity. Mm. You know, and I think that that's it's also very much about like American society right now. But it's all I mean, it's also maybe a spread and it comes from it's a long history. It comes from from, you know, like the taxonomies of modernity and the way we uh, immediately assign identity as something that is fixed and will not change. But I'm in the film. I, I was interested in practices of a uh, descent. 
in practices of criticism against the binary. And there's so many, so many different practices, right? And so I was not interested in making these distinctions be between like this, this person is really trans because of course, like has like hormones, operations, and da, da, da. this other person might not be as trans, trans as the other one, and the other one might be like non-binary. For me, what I'm interested in is this long and kind of a transversal uh, collective of people that are inventing strategies to criticize and to go beyond the normative binary regime, right? And ideally for me, that has nothing to do with if we use hormones or not, if you have your passport or not, if, because all those things have to do with normative medicine and normative legal systems. Right, but uh, strategies can be as many as you as you. I mean, you can. Um, there, there are many, um, many techniques of criticism of the binary regime. It can, they can be like, for instance, you can change your name, but maybe you cannot change your passport. Okay, well, that's that's one is a, is a condition that has in a specific uh, political position and should be acknowledge and that's what it is for many people right or sometimes you know you 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 use hormones but sometimes you don't want to use hormones that's fine sometimes you you know you change the way you uh uh for instance you dress but sometimes you don't and sometimes and all i i like that that kind of long and kind of heterogeneous genealogy which is is very different than having like a okay this is the right model and the good way of being trans and then the other ways of not being trans uh, the other ways of being trans are not as good and should not be considered proper right which is i, I mean in a sense this is very funny because in a sense if, if you define trans tr being trans with such a um narrow identity politics in a sense you 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 again you create other pathologies that in the sense are being excluded that that become like immediately subaltern or that become like oppressed or non-recognized right and what i like on the country is like to create this transversal uh alliance composition of many different people that are struggling with a binary normative regime and are inventing other ways of being in the world. And that's what I, you know, that, that's what for me means like also revolution. Revolution, it doesn't mean that we overthrow power. And no, no, it means that, that we invent new ways of uh, being in the world and relating to each other. Again, I feel like this is this is so beautiful and fascinating. And unfortunately, we're coming up at the end of our time together. <laughs> but before we go, I, I wanted to to ask, there's so much going on in this film and there's so much that, you know, people could, could take away from it. What is the biggest thing that you hope people come away from this experience with? Well, you know, maybe I didn't have this, this experience before because I had not done films. Right, so I only had the experience of writing, which is a very, um, at the same time, solitary experience when you write. Even though when you write, you write with hundreds of books, so it's already collective. But it's you know it's a solitary experience, and then reading is also a solitary experience. And what I like about the experience of making the film is that the the audience becomes almost like a like a, 
a parliament like becomes like a you know like is and the beauty of me of of the experience of uh, watching the film with other people is that what i realize is that people come to the film maybe thinking okay i'm trans i'm not trans i'm i'm heterosexual i'm homosexual whatever i'm and then when they come to the film what i i've seen is that people like suddenly like you know come into each other's arms they uh, they cry they laugh they and they look at each other differently at the end and they uh they say to themselves okay now i understand we're together you know we're together we're the same it is not so it's not precisely for me it's a film to overcome identity conflicts as well as a way of saying we gonna have collectively to invent uh, a different way of relating to each other, which might not be based on differences between your straight and your uh, queer, uh, your trans, your not trans, but maybe all of us will transition into a new regime, right? Like together and having collectively this this sense of revolution, which is so beautiful, of a, a, re a revolution that is, is a peaceful one, is one that is happening it's a poetic revolution. I said it before because it's one that is happening in the way we perceive things. And that's why cinema is so important because it's a revolution of the senses. It's a revolution of desire. So for me, that's the most important thing. If by the end of the experience of watching the film, your desire has been transformed and you can look at each other differently, then I'm so happy about it. <laughs> well, in that case, at least in my own experience, mission accomplished. <laughs> Paul, Paul, thank you again so much. Thank you for the film. Thank you for and having me. Thank it's you for joining pleasure. us. Thank you. And, and <laughs> I hope people enjoy the film and can see and uh, can see it in different places of, of the U.S. Thank you. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Dan Baer's interview with the director and writer for Orlando, my political biography, Paul B. Preciado, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Orlando, my political biography is nominated for Best First Time Documentary Feature at the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards and is the only nonfiction film to screen at Telluride Toronto and New York Film Festival's main slate this year. It is up for your consideration for Best Documentary Feature at this year's Academy Awards and is now playing in New York theaters as of this Friday at Film Forum. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For a $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. 
Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 